Welcome to the Litigation Psychology Podcast brought to you by Courtroom Sciences. I'm Dr. Bill Kanaski. Today, very happy to have our guest from the great state of Pennsylvania, Mr. Doug Marcella. Doug, how are you? Doing great, Bill. Thank you very much for having me. Now, this is going to be a great talk, and I know you and I have, uh, we, we've done a couple of these together uh, with you, the host, and now I'm the host, so the, the roles are reversed. Doug, tell me a little, uh, little bit about the, uh, yourself and the types of cases that you and your firm are, are currently working on. Sounds good, Bill. Uh, we're a trucking defense firm. That is uh, what our focus is. Uh, my partner and I both have our CDLs. Uh, we're based in the trucking center of Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Uh, but I've had cases in 35 states being admitted pro hoc, especially admitted in those cases. So that's generally what our practice is. I'm very active in the state. I'm on the state board of the Trucking Association, involved with the American Trucking Association Safety Management Council. And how big of a Penn State fan are you? Let's just get this out of the way early. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, as you notice behind me, so... Oh. I, I, we have, uh, we have shared our love for the heels as well. So absolutely. Carolina basketball. Duke is a four letter word. Just keep oh, that in mind. Let's just take, watch out for the D word on my podcast, please. All right. Sorry about that. Now let's, I tell you what, I, I, many of these podcasts, uh, we have talked a lot about what to do and what not to do during discovery uh, and a lot during trucking cases. But what we haven't talked a lot about is trial tactics. And I'd like to talk a little bit about today. When you are approaching a trial, wh what is your philosophy? How do you how do you get your mindset and how you're going to organize your case to take this in front of an actual jury? Uh, Bill, you and I talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago when, when we did my podcast. And it is when the case comes in, the first thing I do is outline my closing argument. Because I look at it as almost as being a movie director. You know, I, I, I get in my mind how I want to present that case to the jury in the closing. I start with what are the evidence or what is the evidence that we have? What are the facts I'm dealing with and the proof? And then what would I like to show and can I get that? And so it's, it's starting with that end because I think if you don't have a picture in mind, I'm not sure that you can really get to that point that you really want to, to go to maximize it. You know, yep. otherwise people are going through, well, let's do discovery. Well, let's do depositions. Well, let's do this. It's, it's like, uh, you know, sitting at a poker table and getting uh, five blind cards and just taking your hand to see what you have. You know, let, let, let's look at the hand we want to have and then strive for that. Yeah, that's, that's really um, a great point. And, and what I have seen, and, and I know that, well, how many years have you been, have you been doing this, Doug? Uh, too long, Bill, too long. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want to age you, but Matt, you've been doing this for quite a while. 38 wonderful years. Wow. Uh, and, and I had the advantage, Bill, you know, it, it darn near killed me. But I started out in a small firm. Uh, they had one insurance client. The senior partner didn't want to do that work. So I am right out of law school thrown into it. Oh. So uh, his primary practice was motor vehicle violations. So I got a lot of hearings before magistrates on tickets. I got a lot of workers' comp hearings, uh, and uh, I got the trials. Uh, the second civil case I had was a incomplete quadriplegic two-week products liability trial, and we were the target, and our excess carrier had gone belly up. So uh, th that makes you old real quick, I'll tell yeah. you. So, but, but yeah, that's, that's kind of the background, and I say that, you know, I look back on it, and it was great experience. 
because yeah. I got to do the workers' comp. I got to do more doctors' depositions than anyone ever would. The hearings, I got to uh, not only do more cross-examinations, but I got out of myself that notion that everything is truth, justice in the American way. <laughs> it's, you know, witnesses are not going to tell the truth. Yeah. You can't just, you know, it's, it's like my cousin Vinny. Are you sure? No, kid, you know, or not. And then to get thrown into those trials, it's kind of like, oh, my God, how am I going to But at the end of the day, it was great, and it didn't kill me. So, you know, I'm stronger for it, I guess. Outstanding. Um, so, there, now listen, I'm a scientist, so yeah. I, I study trial tactics, what's effective, what's not effective. And I, it, it, my definition of persuasion I think it's a combination of an art and a science. I think there's a total science behind it in the way you order your information, which I want to get to in a second. So I think it's very important because in any storytelling model, how you order the information has a drastic influence on how it's perceived. But you also have the art, the delivery of persuasion. What would you tell because quite frankly, this is gonna sound terrible, but you know, I, I tell the truth, this is how I get in trouble. Millennial attorney, everybody's complaining about millennial jurors. That's not yeah. them. A millennial attorney has little to no trial experience, and there's not a lot of trials today. What are you telling your younger attorneys on how to get in front of these juries? Because what I've seen so far, mock juries, yeah. I'm not really impressed. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think the, the the fundamental thing is to uh, uh, be likable, quite frankly. And, uh, you know, we're talking about Bob Tyson had talked about that. And, and you know, it's one of those things, uh, though, you know, you seize upon in terms of, you know, well, that's exactly right, because I thought that for 37 years, yeah. you know. Uh, the, the other thing is, uh, don't act like an attorney. You, you know, uh, there, there, are like con attorney. <laughs> there are concepts uh, people have from television, that this is how an attorney acts and how they have to act. And, you know, there, there are a lot of people out there who aren't wild about attorneys who had bad experience with them. You, you go in, you be open, admit your issues, admit your problems. Uh, and I think you and I talked, last time I was on your podcast, I said, you know, my theory is I can always defend uh, a bad truth. You know, I, I, I can't defend a good lie, you know, right. ethically or any other way. It, it's just, you tell the truth, you deal with it. Uh, you know, I, I had a case once in uh, Connecticut, rear end accident on 95, our truck rear ended a guy. Uh, I, I was, I admitted we were at fault in the case. Uh, the jury comes back at the end and told me I was wrong, uh, <laughs> that we weren't at fault. Uh, they, and, and they didn't say we weren't at fault, but they gave no, no damages on the case. In fact, I'm there afterwards talking to the judge and two of the jurors put their head back in the courtroom and gave me the thumbs up sign. Like we took care of it. So you know, you just, we had problems, we admitted it, but, but let's take a look at what it is. But it'd be interesting to hear uh, from a scientific standpoint, because, you know, a lot of what I do has just been, over those 38 years, kind of developing in, intuitional. Yeah, let's, let's, talk, let's talk a little bit more about trial tactics, but particularly about opening statement. Uh, I do a lot of uh, consulting on opening statements, and things have... Um, changed over the decades of, you yeah. know, cause the, the jury, well, in your career, yeah. the jury pulls drastically changed. In my career, there's kind of been one, one flip over. And so now you have the Gen X and Gen Ys really flooding uh, the pool. 
Doug, these people do not have the attention span to sit there for a one hour opening statement. I am trying to train these younger attorneys. Like you got like 20 to 30 minutes max for these people are going to go out. And one of the mistakes I see, and I want your feedback on this is that the younger attorney thinks they have to go up in front of this jury and tell the entire story, which takes an hour and a half. And I'm like, no. And like my good friend always used to say is don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. You got to tell a story. So when it comes to telling a story, what types of things do you want to focus on during your opening? But also some of the things that you're going to ignore because you know that the experts are going to get into the the weeds, right? I I think one of the things, Bill, and, you know, I I think it is generational regardless of, of what generation we're talking about now. But I think young attorneys, and, and you know, I, I've been there, there's an insecurity. Yeah. And you, you feel a need to, gee, I don't want to leave this out. Or, or what if I don't? And over time, you kind of develop a sense of these are the high points. And maybe it's the one argument, you know, uh, a case number of years ago, you know, where there was, uh, they had uh, been, uh, the plaintiff was a little sloppy in answering their, their interrogatories and basically almost gave away the case in their description of the accident of it. And, you know, I get up and I said, you're going to see in sworn court documents, boom, 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 like that. And just kind of get the focus and hit the high parts, lay out what our story is going to be. But I want to open up with, this is why, you know, this is what we have going for us. This is why the case should be in our favor. And then kind of lead into it and what they're going to see. And maybe, maybe put some teasers out there in terms of, you know, see how that turns out. Yeah, I agree. Because I agree. It, it, especially, it's 2020. If you don't come out guns blazing, you have to come out of your corner swinging. And what I see a lot of, and quite frankly, even with, even with more veteran uh, attorneys, they'd hand me their opening statement. This happened a couple uh, months ago. Hand me an opening. He goes, can you take a look at this? So I took a look at this and I got my marker. I crossed out the first paragraph, which said, uh, here's who I am. Uh, here's my law firm. I'm so happy to represent my client XX paragraph. Thank you so much for your civic duty. You know, being a juror is so important. I I deleted the first three paragraphs and him starting on paragraph number four. And he's like, I can't do that. I go, you better do that or you're going to lose this case. I go, plaintiff attorney just got up and bludgeoned you for 45 minutes. If you don't come out swinging, meaning causation, blame the blame something, but you sit there, you got like three minutes to hook them. Talk about how maybe that that first three minutes, what you want to do with that jury, because if you wait, it's, it's going to be trouble, right? I want to get out there first. Here is our theory and the basis for why it's right. Boom, right out the bat. Same thing, Bill. You know, a lot of it comes over time. When you're younger, you you kind of like to, or some people just have a comfort level of you want to build up momentum and get your comfort and talk about this and that. But, you know, what, and you know better than I, as a social psychologist, in terms of uh, like YouTube, I think, what do they say? You got three seconds to catch it somebody's attention and boom, they're going to go on to the next video. Uh, And it's kind of like with the attorney, it's the converse of what I do in uh, depositions. Usually in depositions, they'll start off with the plaintiff. What's your name? Where do you live? Go through like that. They let the plaintiff get into a comfort zone. I want to, I start out with what injuries do you attribute to this accident? 
Wait, wait, wait. And let's go down through there and, and not let them get that comfort. So I think that's why a lot of attorneys do it. They, it gives them a comfort. But I, I think you're, you know, again, you're exactly right. You, you got to counter their points right away. Make your points and make the jury realize there's two sides to the story. And yours is a pretty darn good one. Yeah. And so in psycho this is the whole concept of what we call primacy. So what I mean by primacy is that the first three things that come out of your mouth, the juror brain is going to value more than the next three things that come out of your mouth. And it's automatic. There's no like cognition with that. It's just the way that's how the primacy effect works. The first couple of things you say must be the most important automatically. So you think about how you start your opening statement. Well, you, you better blame somebody or something yeah. else for the accident, right? Or, or even better, you attack the plaintiff's damages award, right? right. Or what, they're, what, they, what, they, yeah. what they want. You've got to go on the attack. But then, for example, as far as you know, putting your client on the stand, I see the same mistakes. You put your truck driver or you put your doctor, whoever, and you waste 20 minutes on their background, their training. No, the first question should be, did you do anything wrong in this case? Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's what the jury wants. What, is, what are your philosophies about when you're, when you're either rehabilitating or calling your own clients on the stand? What, what are you trying to accomplish in front of the jury? You know, I, I have never been hurt, Bill, by a witness I didn't call. All right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, so n- number one, do I really need something on this? And sometimes it's just to show the jury this person doesn't have horns, you know, but, you know, uh, and I've had, uh, I've had cases where the, the, you know, we had problems where I've put my client on there to, to hit a couple finite, I think verify a photograph and it got across number one, you know, they're not a terrible person. The jury got to see them. Number two, the plaintiff never thought I'd put him up there and was totally unprepared for him. Uh, and so to go that route, it, more importantly, and you said the experts, what I do with the experts is uh, I start out, uh, did, did you examine this case for me? Yeah. Did you look at all this, you know, a bunch of stuff? Yeah. Come to opinions? Yeah. What are your opinions? Boom, 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 boom. Okay. Let's talk about how you got to those opinions. What did you look at? What, what was important to you? But I figure if nothing else, in the first five, 10 minutes, the jury has all of that witnesses, their opinions, the substance of it. And then it's a matter of, you know, if they, if those are acceptable to them, they'll have the bases for supporting those opinions and, and to kind of support the conclusion they came to and give them that to, to argue in the jury room. Excellent. Excellent stuff. Well, let's wrap up with um, arguably the most popular topic. Um, <laughs> these reptile attorneys are not going anywhere. I mean, this is going to be for a long time. Um, particularly when most industries, it's not just trucking, Doug, but this whole safety is the top priority. Hotel industry, airline industry, trucking industry, healthcare, products, construction, they're all saying the same crap. And the plaintiff's bar is fully taking advantage of that. How how have you dealt with this issue? Because I tell you what, I get called in in a lot of cases, particularly in trucking, and that this whole safety is our top priority phase. It's in the employee manual. I've seen it etched across the wall in the lobby, Doug, of the trucking company lobby. What types of things do you do to get around that? Because if it's sitting there in black and white, that's a pretty tough position to be in. Well, a couple things. Yeah, number one, uh, before the accidents, usually we help and try to work with folks to realign their 
manuals, those type of things, either to, you know, say, you know, that wording could be problematic or let's, let's add some to kind of take it off of it. Number two, let's take a look at it and, and do an audit up front to know what we have to deal with and then be able to deal with that as well. Uh, number three is many times we'll explain it that these are aspirational, yes. you know, that, that these are what we're going for and, and you know, uh, that we are trying every day on that. And that, you know, sometimes we don't meet those aspirations, but it, it is uh, human neglect or human nature rather than uh, malevolence in not meeting that. And then ultimately, one of the big things, Bill, is, is many times I welcome, although the clients are a little serious, I welcome somebody uh, with a punitive damage case against a good client. Because now I get to show that we don't need punished and we don't need deterred. Here's this great company. I've got one now. You know, these are all the safety awards they want. This is everything they do. This is all the classes they do. And this is like citizen of the year. And, and in fact, one of them, the owner of the company, privately owned, that guy is citizen of the year. And, and this is who they're claiming means punished. And, and so, you know, it, it gives us the opportunity to, to show that the, the, the true citizen uh, qualities that these companies have. It, what, what thoughts do you have on dealing with that, Bill? Well, it's, it's, it's tough because you can't say safety is not important, right? Right. right? And so what I typically train witnesses, safety directors, and corporate representatives to say, safety is one of the many things that we value at this company. In fact, I'll tell you what, Doug, uh, and I, I have a slide on this in, in my, my, my reptile CLE, and it's a circle, and it has safety, it has effectiveness, it has profit, and it has quality. And there's arrows connecting all of them. Right. And driving, um, I was in Wisconsin, and I, I, I was going to the headquarters of an unnamed uh, trucking company. And this sign is out front at the front gate. And I found that, I, I, liked, I saw that sign, I said, that's it. I go, that's yeah. how you answer these questions. Because safety helps you be more effective. Right. Being effective helps you be safer. Safety improves quality. Quality improves. And by the way, how do you? Do, this is a well. I wasn't done with you. I still have a couple more questions. Yeah. Profit. These companies don't. It's like everybody gets scared talking about money. Yes, we want to make a profit because profit makes us safer, right? How do you deal with this whole dealing with things like profit and revenue when you're maybe say prepping your corporate witness? You can't run away from those. It's okay to want to make a profit, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're the business here. We, we give jobs to X number of people. We help the community. We do this, we do that. And, and we are a business. And, you know, particularly today, post COVID, or I shouldn't even say post COVID, mid COVID, but past the initial burst, you know, that's where trucking was the lifeline of America. Yeah. And, you know, we, we got a lot of kudos on that. Uh, you know, people came to realize what those of us in the industry have always known, that if you bought it, a truck brought it. So, you know, that, that, that's kind of where we're at on it today. All right. Well, Doug, thank you so much for being part oh. of the podcast. Re excellent. I mean, I really enjoyed my time with you and working on your podcast. And, and let's get together soon and uh, we'll do it again, okay? Perfect. Love to. Thanks again, Bill. Take care, Doug.